We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back, Lucky Lefty Podcast, mid-season recap. We're on CFB Nation, presented by Twit-It-It-It-It-It-It-It-T. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, audio edibles every day, YouTube. Make sure you subscribe, hit the notification bell, that thumbs up, smash it. Left, I'm out in public, and someone notices me. That's right. Hey, let's be growing now. They're like, Sean. And I'm like, yo, what's up, brother? <laughs> and he's like, man, how you doing? How you feeling? Which I appreciate. It's like, man, I'm blessed, man. I'm really blessed. Thank you. I appreciate that. And he said, did you see, you know, we talked about the game. He said, did you see the Notre Dame student that trolled Caleb Williams and ran up on him asking him what the nail polish was? And I said, yeah, I saw it. And he was like, yo, that was great. I said, well, you know, stuff like that is always great until one of the students gets hurt. That's right. And then, you know, you're going to have a problem with the athlete. But I said, yeah, it was kind of funny. And he was like, uh, man, you like Caleb Williams? I said, yeah. What? And he was like, why? Hi, what's up? Little left, what's up, my dude? Sorry. <laughs> and I was said, uh, because he's a good football player. I said, yeah, great football players. I usually like them. And he said, but he's a you know, he didn't say use this phrase, but he said, but he's a butthole. And I laughed and he said, what's so funny? I said, you have a bull's jacket on. Michael Jordan was the biggest butthole in the world. Dog. I said, I bet you love him. And he was like, well, but I mean, but, but Mike, I said, no, 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 no. You said you don't like him because he's a butthole, but you don't know him. You're judging who he is off of 
one incident. But you love Michael Jordan. He was a butthole. I said you probably love Muhammad Ali. He was a butthole too. I said you probably love Larry Bird. Larry Bird was a known butthole. I said anytime you go pick a great player, vast majority of them are buttholes. I said, so he's a great player. You think he's a butthole? That means he's on brand moving forward in his career. And he was like, I just don't like him. I said, man, I respect that. I totally respect that. I totally respect that. Have no problem with that. But man, I don't know why it is, but it just seems like that trait, that butthole trait, is kind of like assembly required when it comes to great players. It, man, it just is. <laughs> it just, it just seems like all great players or buttholes, man, or viewed as buttholes, shall I say. Because after watching that, like Sid Irish brings up Johnny Manziel, Johnny Manziel really, I don't know, Johnny Manziel really wasn't a butthole until he got to the pros. He was just a college kid that wanted to party, in my opinion, at Texas A&M and didn't take football seriously. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Johnny Manziel was never the prototypical work hard all your life, fit the quarterback mold type of guy. So for him to be able to be who he was and, and make plays was just one of those phenomenons because the standard uh, belief is that you have to be this uptight professional 
quarterback on and off the field. And for Johnny yeah. to be able to be different and break that mold, just expose that, yeah, you can play quarterback at this position at any type of uh, phase of your life. And I think for Johnny, he just wanted to do both. And it yeah. obviously was hard, but he had a lot of success doing it too. And I think people hated that about him is that he found a way to do it being the 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 way he was. But, you know, I think Notre Dame would never accept something like that. But it, it is. No, no. no. It does have benefits. Like, you know? Hey, man, look, we love the Notre Dame fan base to death. Notre Dame fans are some of the most judgmental fans on the face of the earth. If they keep it 100, if they keep it 100, they just are. Why? Because of the brand that is Notre Dame. It creates that, right? Like that type of stuff would never happen at Notre Dame. Okay. All right. It is what it is. Man, if, if if the world could see some of the things I did, some of the decisions I made at 18, 19. Yeah, bro. I, I did some, I made some really, I embarrassed my parents. What they stood for. You know. Did the decisions get better in your late 20s? No, my decisions got better immediately. Really? Oh, man. It took like, it took one really big incident where my parents bore, you know, bear the, bore the brunt. Because uh, my dad was, is a known pastor in the city, bro. So it just really took one incident where I saw my parents having to deal with something that I did. That was it. That was my turning point. That's right. That was my turning point. But that's 19, like, dude, the fact that we expect a 19, 20-year-old kid to be perfect and then judge him like it, we know it, him. Is it perfect or is it mature? Same thing. Same thing. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's the same thing. Same thing, bro. I'm sure all the quarterbacks you think were super mature, go go get the skeletons out of that clock. It's a college campus, bro. Hey, dude, I don't know how many, but a lot of these dudes are nerds for real. Uh, dude, Caleb's a nerd. Caleb's not a nerd. At, oh, dude. No, he, Caleb's he's a nerd. too involved in the fashion to be a no, nerd. No, 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 no. Caleb's a nerd, bro. I got some inside information. Like, yo, you see this dude at a party or like in the mist? Oh, he he, he don't know how to he don't know how to rock the crowd. He's a little, he he's, a little rock the crowd. he's a little awkward. Yeah. He's a little awkward. Come on, man. He's, he's Come a little on, awkward. He's famous. I'm just telling he's you. He's famous. He's a little awkward, bro. Oh, I will say this. The atmosphere in Notre Dame Stadium <laughs> had to be absolutely incredible because USC brought their band, their cheerleaders, their flag girls. They brought everybody. That's right. They brought right? 
Pom Pom and Baby Girl best friend, one of her best friends is a flag girl. And she reported back like, yo, whoever the DJ was at the stadium was, was man, was popping. Maybe they ain't got a DJ now? Yeah, they got oh, a DJ oh, now. Yeah. <laughs> they got a DJ in the stadium now. Yeah. I can appreciate that. So, you know, that's electric. That's electric. Like, and who's who's a pristine dude? Let's say uh, Andrew Luck is a pristine dude, right? I guarantee you his boys got to have a, a story from college. I don't know. Guarantee I doubt it. I, doubt okay? it. I guarantee it, bro. He Are is like the me? true on and off the field same guy. This Andrew dude Luck. comes from NFL money. I guarantee right. you he has kicked it hard. I don't know, man. And him and his boys. Andrew Luck I, is such an outlier. You got, you got, you got to go to Jameis or something. Okay, you go ahead and believe that Andrew Luck is perfect. You go right ahead. I believe it. Shit. I'm telling you, man. I, I promise you, his boys are keeping the bones hidden. I promise you. I don't know. That man, pretty, pretty straightforward, man. He a real life nerd. Like I didn't say he wasn't a nerd. When I'm to everybody does something, bro. There is no person. Hey, scripture said we all have fallen short, my brother. Ain't nobody unscathed in this life, bro. Hey, no. But that's Basically, a morality question, though, because then you got to determine not no, everybody no, 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 else no. got the same morals. That's not morality. It's not about morality. It's about understanding humanism, bro. <laughs> It's about understanding humanism. Like, you know, you know what I do, right? You know what my dad does, right? That's right. I didn't expect my daughter to go to college and not take place and take part partake in libations. I didn't have those super expectations for her, bro. I allowed her to live her life. Live your okay. life, baby. You know right from wrong. You know how I live. Go live your life. <laughs> I can't because I can't be there to make every decision for you. I can't. That's right. And these kids make bad decisions, dude. Come on, dude. You play for Notre Dame. Dude, you talking about decisions. you talking about Andrew Luck though? Andrew Luck. I said his name because he's the most pristine dude from an image standpoint. And I, I'm guaranteeing you that Andrew Luck has done something stupid at 17, 18, 19 years old. He ain't done nothing crazy. He may have done silly about, things. We talking about something criminal? I don't believe he's done anything criminal. I don't believe he's done anything that put him at risk of anything. But maybe that's just me giving him too much credit. Dude, looking has, at him, he just looked like a... Has Caleb Williams done anything criminal? I'm sure he has. I'm sure he has. Because you're in that fashion industry. So he's done something criminal because he's in the fashion industry? Nah, you, you're bogus for coming at the fashion industry. No, you, you, you cultured. You, cult, you know what's going on if you're in that fashion industry. You know what the hell uh, going on. You there's know what, what type of stuff taking place. Yeah, there's some shadiness. It's some, yeah, it's the fashion industry. It's crazy. It's absolutely some shadiness. 
Them boys come in with them leather pants and all type of crazy get-ups. Yeah, they, they know something going on. That's my point. Uh, but Andrew Luck was never that. He was just... The whole... This is my personal opinion. And I'm speaking only because of what took place last year. First of all, no Dame fans were mad because he embarrassed them last year. They wasn't... <laughs> Yeah, the, the, nails just, the nails just made it worse. No Dame fans were mad because he walked on that field in the Coliseum and made y'all look stupid. The nails were low-hanging fruit. Made no, and the nails were low-hanging fruit to just further the anger. Period. Right? That, I'll say this again because I said it last night. If you're trying to attribute, if no, I've seen Notre Dame fans say this, if you're trying to attribute, attribute his lifestyle like you know what his lifestyle is to him having FND on some nails, then you're a you're a jerk. You're a jerk. You're a jerk. Now, if you just want to say it was a soft move and he's soft, all right, that's fine. But when you try to use that to attribute his lifestyle and who you think he is, you're a jerk. You're a goofy. You're a goofy. And I've seen it too much. I saw one dude, you saw the tweet. I told y'all who Caleb Williams was. I told you Sam Hartman is the best pro-ready quarterback. What? I said, man, see, this is the type over the top. Oh, they fans is going over the top. We'd like, be happy what are we talking about? Man. We'd be happy that we played good and we won. They take it too far. He's talking about play better than say. Come on, listen. Caleb is who he is. Sam's who he is. It was just this day, Sam got the better, better version of, of what they wanted to do. It's it's just what it is. But I'm not gonna sit there and start wilding out and act like Sam is just so much better than Kate. Like, come on, I can be a fan, but I ain't gotta be un, un unrealistic, illogical. You know, I could be, true. dude. The Chicago fans, because I already gave the Michael Jordan example. You want me to give you one more? There is no team in the city of Chicago revered like the 85 Bears. No, none. The 85 Bears were the most non-humble, disrespectful team in this NFL history. <laughs> they recorded the Super Bowl shuffle five weeks into the season. Left. Everybody loves the 85 Bears. These dudes recorded the Super Bowl shuffle. Five weeks into the season, bro. <laughs> Chicago loves them. You can't tell. You can't tell. You cannot tell That's Chicago right. anything about the eighty-five Bears. No. Nothing. No, nothing. Is that was that humble? <laughs> was that humble? Man, no, stop no. playing with me, dog. Yeah, man. Yeah, and then the people that try to sit there and say I wouldn't want them on my team for Notre Dame. Man, stop capping. Stop, stop capping. Yeah, definitely stop capping. Stop that goofy stuff. He can paint his nails away. Oh, we would love it if he painted his nails. He was playing for Notre Dame. F Duke, F Louisville. If he was painting that, oh, Notre Dame fans, the same Notre Dame fans that's talking trash would be hey, like, if yeah. I painted my nails, F LSU, F Texas. We they would love it. They would have loved it. They, if you were in the Music City Bowl with your nails painted, F LSU, you darn right the fan base would have had your back. You darn right they would have. 
Yeah. No one would have been on Brian Kelly talking about Brian Kelly shouldn't have let him do that. Nobody would have said that. Hell, Brian Kelly would have played into it. You know, he he, he, he would have. He would have go with it with whatever hot. He gonna go with it. He would have held me down. And see, people are missing the point. And this is why, and this is, dude, 25 years counseling young people. I don't judge young people for stupid decisions. That's, that's something that adults do, that act like they've never done something stupid. That's why it's goofy as an adult to do it. All of a sudden, Wait, you say, so you say it's it's goofy for adults to act as if they were never kids. Is that what you mean? Absolutely. Okay, that's fair. Absolutely. What did Jay Z say? Stop acting brand new. Tupac had a nose ring too. Stop trying to crack on these kids, piercing their nose now. When your favorite rapper. Your top one of your top five rappers had a nose ring back in the 90s. Yeah, it's goofy. It's goofy. And the stuff we try to pin to these kids, it ain't just Caleb Williams. The stuff we try to pin to Caleb, so what Shador has a sign? This is the age where the age group does things like that. As long as he's prepared to take the back glass, so what? What are we talking about? What are we talking about? Bro, we literally just had three Notre Dame players. Because, you know, Notre Dame fans would be like, they're jerks if it was the other team. If USC had sacked Sam Hartman and had three players almost get called for uh, offsides because they spent 10 seconds celebrating a sack, I guarantee you after the game, Notre Dame fans would have been like, they're dummies. They're goofies. That's what what they get. It's crazy. So the conversation is not about justification. The conversation is being able to tell young people, hey, you might want to think about that. That's not a good idea. Uh I don't think you should have done that. Well, yeah, that's a good idea. But at the same time, not feeling like I have to come down on them, like all of a sudden that I know who they're going to be for the rest of their life. Or in that moment, that dumb decision just seals the deal on who they are. It's not the way life works. It's just not the way life works. So whether it's Caleb Williams, Cam Newton, who got the same type of treatment, or anybody else. Johnny Manziel. That's why I said once I watched Johnny Manziel's um, documentary, I was like, that dude wasn't a jerk. He just made bad decisions, bro, and the dominoes kept falling. And he just didn't realize that he he couldn't get away with the same crap with the Cleveland Browns that he got away with at Texas A&M because the NFL is a different beast. But Johnny Manziel changed his life. And I'm happy for him. I'm happy for him. 
he was an alcoholic in college? Does that make him a jerk? Or does that make him trouble? Because most people would judge the alcoholism. Like I said, maybe because, you know, I look at things different because my expertise is young adults, especially at risk, young adults from the inner city. And that's pretty much who I've dealt with over the past 20 years. But it's like, yo, stop, stop. Right now, right now, most people watching the show or either in the chat have a have a Caleb Williams in their family. They have a Caleb Williams in their family. A 17, 18, 19 year old that's probably doing some stupid stuff right now. It is what it is. So it's really not about, man, excusing behavior. It's about learning not to judge behavior and label people, especially young adults, because of behavior. So that's part of the problem with the educational system in the, in the inner cities, and we're going to keep it 100. They love labeling kids that are like four or five years old. They love labeling them, putting things in their files, and just going crazy with it. Let's get back to ND. Who is your mid-season MVP? Who is your mid-season MVP? I'm very interested. Mid-season MVPs. Let's say MVPs, right? Mid-season MVPs. Offensively and defensively. It probably was a runaway early on because it was like Aldrick estimated and then everybody else was behind him, right? We see some people... Uh, Joe Alt, pretty good candidate. See Howard Cross for the defense. I'm not gonna lie, the Joe Alt getting beat by that Louisville defender changed a lot for me. I'm not gonna lie, it was it was upsetting. But left, see, that's what I'm talking about. I, you can't judge him by that one play. Every offensive lineman has been embarrassed, bro. 
Now you don't exactly you didn't exactly expect it in his last season, maybe his freshman year. So I get it, but mm, I don't know, Le. I don't know. It said a bad taste in my mouth for sure. <laughs> it's like, how you give that up, sir? Hey, it's just one play, dude. It's one play. It's one play, man. So offensively, who are we going to give it to? It's Wait, Zach Martin and Ronnie Stanley didn't give up a sack their senior year. You comparing them to Zach Martin? I don't even know if Joe Alt's better than Ronnie Stanley. To keep it above. Well, Ronnie Stanley is a top top tackle of all time now in Northern history. That's what I'm saying. And as good as as Alt has been, where does he rank? Man, that could be another question. As good as as Alt has been. Where would you rank him amongst the left tackles that played in Notre Dame? He's got to be. He's got to be top five. Ronnie Stanley has a hundred million dollars for blocking people across from me. So does Zach Martin. So that that right there got to qualify you as top two, right? Aaron Taylor's up there. Mm-hmm. You know, we got some guys now. Hell, Nick Martin's up there. You wouldn't give no credit to Sam Mustafer, but Sam Mustafer got a lot of a lot of uh, skin in the game. Yeah, yeah. Because of what he did with the Chicago Bears, man. I well, mean, that little, well, that Louisville game was <laughs> one of Joe Alt's worst games. Like he Thanks. got beat. he got knocked on his butt, and then he got beat for a sack in the fourth quarter. So in the fourth quarter, yeah, that that's that's he wanted to keep that film away like throw it in the garbage are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience check out twisted tea your go-to game day beverage for college football fans twisted tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before it's made with real brewed tea and packs a powerful punch with five percent alcohol and no carbonation delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up any occasion, especially when you're cheering for your favorite team. Whether you're tailgating in the stadium parking lot, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home, Twisted Tea is there to elevate game day experience. It perfectly complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experiences. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. Yeah, where would he rank amongst the tackles in Notre Dame history? Blake Fisher, top five. Top five at right tackle? Yeah. You don't think so? Because right tackle might not be as... McGlinchey was left tackle. Ronnie was left tackle. Right. Those, you know, solidified. But right tackle has been who? Um, Robert Hainsey? Hainsey. 
Josh Lug started. Uh, 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 the guy from uh, the Dolphins. Uh, oh, Eichenberg. Eichenberg was a, a right tackle. Mm. I go back. I would have to go back and see who the right tackles were for uh, for Lou. Without, I just don't know him right off top. But I mean, you could probably argue that Blake Fisher is one of the top five right tackles. You could, you could, you probably top five. He started as a freshman. You got to be in there. He started as a freshman. Uh, Dean Brown was. Mm, Dean Brown got better over time. Over time. I think I think Lindsey Knapp was one of the right tackles. I think Tim Ruddy. Tim Ruddy actually played three positions on the offensive line. He played center guard and tackle. That's right. Um, Andy Heck was a right tackle, I believe. That's a good call. Andy Heck, and he ended up having a pretty good NFL career too. Heck, Andy Heck might be number one. Unless we dig like way back to like the seventies and the sixties. I'm not mad at that. Not mad at all. So the MVP has to be Aldrich, right? Right now? Aldrich is the MVP just through that's, attrition. That's by default. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, hey, he's been uh he won the do game by himself, so Hey, Jeremiah Love might get top five votes for MVP. <laughs> Seeing that he's been the most explosive offensive player on the field. Um, so we'll, yeah, we'll give it to Aldridge. We'll give it to Aldridge. Uh, defensive player. Hmm. How across definitely has to be at the top. Cam Hart <clears throat> has been phenomenal. Mm. Hmm. <clears throat> Xavier Watts had a good game. Now he's had two great games, North Carolina State and USC. I don't know That's if right. he's been as consistent as Howard Cross, though. No. Howard Cross from game one has been – I'll say it again, dude. When your defensive tackle is leading the team in tackles, 
Uh, that's pretty. That's pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. It is. Uh, I was. <clears throat> Brian Driscoll said this, and at first I was like, mm, "But if you really look at, <clears throat> if if someone would say that Cam Hart to this point has had a better season than Benjamin Morrison." I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't fight against you. I wouldn't, even, I wouldn't. He hasn't given up more big plays. And he's just been really good, man. He's He's been really. Yeah. Good. Yeah. And a lot of the fan base put that pressure out there for Cam before the season by saying, yo, Cam needs to play better. Cam got to step up. Yeah, for sure. Step up. You know, and for me, like I said, dude, the last, Cam Hart has never been 100% the last two seasons. The previous two seasons. He's never been 100%. Never. Fought through multiple injuries. Played with an oblique core injury last year that he got during fall camp and refused to put freshman DBs out there week one against Ohio State and just played through it and never complained until it got really got worse and he had to take a seat. You know, so... That's why I would always defend him, because I knew, like, you can't expect him to be at the top of his game when this dude is hurt. He's 80% at one of the most difficult positions. So, um, we got Howard Cross, Ham Hart. Uh... Starting off, this, Maris was playing really good at the beginning of the season. He's kind of tapered off, especially against um, Louisville. Um, Jaden Mickey played Saturday. Um, there's nothing up with him. Matter of fact, he's the third defensive back in the rotation. Um. Uh, Yeah. Roll the dice, left. Who, who who's your defensive MVP? Defensive MVP is definitely, uh, in my opinion, a Howard Cross right now, just from a stats position, being able to be the leading tackler and just coming out of nowhere. I think he has something to prove and he's definitely proven it this year. I yeah. thought it'd be more Jason Onier in that D line position, but for Howard Cross to step up and make big plays, considering the defensive line that we didn't consider to have any superstars, but for Howard Cross to be a lead uh, dog in that in that unit, I think it shows a lot to what he's been able to put forth in this season to get better and, and be an impact player. So Howard Cross, for me, defensively, obviously I, it's hard for me to add the stars in there with the Ben Morrisons and, and all of that, but Howard Cross and Xavier Watts will be my second 
just because Xavier Ross being able to transition to a full-time safety position and be impactful mm-hmm. in big games. Forget all the games that we're supposed to win. What are you doing in games that we're not supposed to win? And Xavier Watts uh, stood out to me, and he balled out last year against USC and did the same. And so I think he deserves some credit. I'm with you on that. I was giving it just a little more thought. He really has, since game one, he really has been that dude. Who's he really has. He, only, he had one game where you can really say how a cross didn't show up like he's been showing up. That's right. That's right. You know what I'm saying? So... Yeah, you know Xavier Watts. You know with man the North just the North Carolina State and USC games. It's bananas. Yeah, uh, like I said, Cam Hart. You know Benjamin Morrison is Benjamin Morrison, but. Yeah, I think that's a solid pick. I think Howard Cross is a solid pick. Howard Cross is a good choice. You can, you, you're not going to go wrong choosing him. Yeah. Uh, and just because of what he's been able to show from a guy that came out of, not say nowhere, but a guy that wasn't expected to be the lead dog of the defensive unit. Yeah. So I went back. Because on the broadcast, I heard the commentators say Al Golden used the game plan they had for Pat Mahomes, for Caleb Williams. And the second time around, that makes sense I, to me. The second time around, I recognized it because they, uh, Cincinnati they mush rush Patrick they Mahomes. corralled the line right. And, and they get really just uncomfortable. Yeah, we ain't trying to attack you. No. We're just trying to get close enough to affect what you're doing because we don't want you to necessarily run out the pocket. We want you to feel like you can't finish your throws because the middle pressure is getting to you and, and also corral the line of scrimmage. Yes, the usual lanes you usually have to get Right, out. the usual lane. You're corralling the line. You just got guys right. up. Up front, you can only do that with a good secondary. And fortunately for us, we have a good secondary to be able to cover a lot of the vulnerable spots when you're trying to create schemes to create pressure. Mm-hmm. And I think it worked very effectively just showing, just like Riley Leonard, giving him a bunch of different things he hasn't seen before, definitely will affect the way you're processing information. And especially when you're so used to having, you know, uh, the the routine five or six plays that they do that they run so often, but mm-hmm. against looks they've never seen before, it caused some confusion and, and got Caleb off his rocker, but it shows to where USC really lacks in mm-hmm. diversity when it comes to game plan against things they haven't seen before. And so it, it was a style that makes fights, and we just had a good, better style at that point. So... 
And if you let him out, that was the first thing. The second thing they did, if he's going to scramble, force him to his left. That's right. They did it all night. They rarely allowed him to get out to his right. Every time he scrambled, it would be to his left. So, or either backing up. And he made the mistakes and threw the interceptions trying to get to his left. So, because that's the way from his strong hand. So, so, it was a great strategy. Fantastic strategy, man. Absolutely fantastic strategy. So, um, to hear that from the broadcasters and then go back and look at, man, they executed this game plan for four quarters very well. Like, that's hard to do. That's hard to do in the NFL with professionals. So to do that on the college level, that's some uh, Kirby Smart taking Tennessee and Hendon Hooker out of their game plan type of stuff. That's right. Yeah, that was that's high level DC and high level execution by your players. Yeah, for your defensive players to know the scheme and the different nuances that you're adding to it, just based off over the game plan that week, and for them to pick it up so well, it just shows that Al Gold's really been putting in a very good foundation from last year that they built off of going yeah. into this year. Obviously, the things that we did last year, we were just off by a little bit. Yeah. Last year's game, we just we just missed them a little bit. We was there. We was in the backfield, but it wasn't bringing them down. This year, for us to do the, the a similar type of scheme, but be able to actually execute enough to bring him down, we rattle him enough to get the three turnovers that he hadn't had all his career. Yeah. So it just shows that Al Golden really got to those guys that he's a good coach. He can communicate the game plan well enough. It's one thing to create it, but another thing to communicate it, and he did that a good job, and we played at a high level considering the two, the two losses we're coming off of. Yeah. And you know how most people have the linebackers spying? There were a lot of times when Notre Dame had the safeties spying Caleb. So when he finally got outside the rush, he would look up and Xavier Watts would be coming full speed. From depth. From depth. And it's like, oh, snap. They, they mixed up everything on him, man. Who was spying him, coverages, you know, blitz packages, games up front with the D-line. They did everything, bro. Everything. And one key third down, they brought a game to the left. I think they brought Javante all the way across to the left. <laughs> And blitz the linebackers around the other side. Maris came yeah, around. We was, the other we side. was on some freak. We was on some freaky stuff. It, it was crazy. So you have, I think, four, three to four rushers to the left of the center. He sees that rush, so he starts to move to his left, and here comes Maris around the outside. And he saw Maris, and immediately started backing up. It was like the things they were running, bro. They were setting traps for him, almost. That's right. And it was a man. It was it was beautiful to watch 
it was even more beautiful the second time. I'm telling you, to watch Notre Dame's defense a second time. Yo, Bubakar Traore got the sack. He came in on a play in the third quarter. USC was backed up. They got called for a false start, but Bubakar had beat the left tackle, I mean the right tackle left. Right. They threw the flag, and Bubakar was, was next to Caleb Williams, and he started talking trash. And I was like, okay, I like him. <laughs> boy, you a freshman, and you got the you have the guts to talk trash. I said, okay, okay, all right. I like that. I like that. You're gonna have to back it up, but you got some guts. You got some guts, kid. I, I'll tip. I'll tip my cap to you. It goes a long way. He probably told him, you know, I would have had you another. For a second sack, right? Like the flag doesn't matter. I had you. I love stuff like that. Love it. Love it. Give me your freshman of the year to this point. This is a, I think this is a runaway. It's definitely Rico. You're I out of your think... mind. You're out of your mind. You you, you saying Jeremiah Love? It's not even close. But Jeremiah Love, what's been the game changing plays he's made? What Rico at least caught the game winning, the game tying touchdown against Ohio State. I'll give you that. I I'll mean, in terms that. of just impact on the season, obviously Jeremiah Love is the better player in the long run. Okay, from, as long as, long as you know. admit that, uh, I'm, I'm cool. I would take him in a draft cool. before Rico. Yes, okay. but Rico has shown the more impactful plays in the season than Jeremiah Love, even though Jeremiah Love easily is the most talented guy that we have on the roster. That's because they play Rico. If they played Jeremiah Love more, he would be that deal. Yeah, Like we know Production-wise, receivers, like you said, you know, Great House and those guys have touchdowns. Wait a minute. Jeremiah Love has that long touchdown run against, uh, what was that, Central Michigan? Where he cut back? Yeah, I think he does. Um, dude, the reason I say it's not close because I, I know who the most talented freshman is. He's the most talented freshman. Now, that's not even close. As far as game breaking speed, quickness, yeah, in terms of talent, you know, he's got it for sure. Yeah, yeah. But if you want to go ahead and, you know, say Rico, I, I, I won't push back on that. I won't push back on that. I can rock with that. So Al Golden would have to be your coach of the year, right? To this point, you said Al Golden can what? Al Golden would have to be your coach of the year to this point, oh. your assistant coach of the year. Getting it done, <laughs> absolutely. Al Golden. Yeah. Hey, I want to I want to tip my cap to because for the most part, 
Notre Dame's offensive line has had two questionable games. Two. Which ones? I don't, uh, Louisville and Duke. If you want to throw Duke up in there, fine. Questionable in what aspect? I'm I just, just think talking, he wasn't I'm calling saying, enough to try to be effective, in my opinion. I'm just telling you what people will say. Okay. Anytime Notre Dame loses, the offensive line gets the blame. It is blame, for sure. That's it. Notre Dame lost, the offensive line was terrible. Well, it depends on how many points you score, but usually it's the offensive line. Yeah. Um, Joe Rudolph has some big shoes to fill, left. That's right. Some really big shoes to fill. Hundred million dollar contract, guys. He had to. He had to and uh, I think Joe Rudolph has, has performed quite well as the O line coach. He's recruiting his butt off. Absolutely, he's recruiting his tail off. And I think he's done a pretty good job. Overall, yeah. In comparison to what he was asked to replace, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I think he's done a pretty good job. I, and, and the chat is right. Al Washington has done a really good job with the off the defensive line this year. Very much so. I mean, the end of that Ohio State game, if you want to hold that against Al Washington, In the Ohio State game, is no excuse for that. That's that's just a blunder that we we will live with. That Ohio State game was a blunder. I guess we'll live forever with you know just because it was such egregious moment in history for college football. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, before we get out of here, Lilo Galante asks, uh, "Do I think Fisher would be good at guard?" I think Blake Fisher be good at whatever position he wants to play. That's right. When he makes mistakes, everybody wants to be loud. Nobody wants to talk about how he dominated on Saturday night. Nobody. No, they never give Blake Fisher credit when he balls out. Never. They only bring up when he has a sack here that he'll give up or out of 50, 60 snaps, he'll have two or three bad plays. And everybody wants to move him to guard. Unfortunately, they don't have a better right tackle on the roster. All right. I'm all for moving him to guard. If you get, man, you have a right tackle that's better, move him to guard. Moving the guard. Until then, uh, I don't think Jagasaw. Jagasaw was behind because of the surgery and, and he had to wait two extra weeks, right? He hurt himself. Practicing for the upcoming wrestling season. Then he missed early enrollee, I think, by two days. So by not being an early enrollee, he had to deal with people and doctors outside of Notre Dame. 
So Notre Dame literally recommended uh, the doctors to do his surgery and the people to do his rehab. The Chicago Bears physicians did his surgery here in Chicago. And then ultimately they found some people closer to his home to uh, further his rehab until he reported over the summer. So that put him behind a little bit. Because he was supposed, I think he was supposed to have the the, uh, surgery done like three three weeks prior to when it actually happened. So uh, it just put him behind. That's all it did physically. It put him behind. Because he had just started running by the time he reported, if I'm not mistaken. He had just got back to running full speed. So. That's right. That's right. Anything stick out? I thought mid-season recap show. Anything stick out? How are you feeling about Marcus Freeman halfway through his second season? Man, you know, Marcus Freeman going through a lot of different circumstances during the second season that he's had in Notre Dame. It's still very early. You know, second season is, I consider five seasons in, you know, you're getting used to it. The second season, the adversity that he's had to deal with and managing that to be in a position where he can still take the destiny of the team and the fate of the team in the right direction, but it's going to come down to how he finishes the season. He's got one of the three big wins that he needs. He needs to get Clemson as well. But for the Ohio State game and the Louisville game are definitely marks on his career to where he has to be worried because he has to figure out answers as to why he got, he has to play better as a, as a unit. You know, the team has to be better as a unit against teams that we're supposed to win. And as long as he keeps that fight of beating teams that we're supposed to beat and being competitive, if not better than the teams that we're not supposed to beat, he's going to be in the right position. That's the Brian Kelly formula. Is that the games that we're supposed to win, you make them boring. Yeah. You get up and you just you squeeze out the win. Brian Kelly lasted 10 years off of that market. You take something from that. Let me ask you a question, and then we'll get out of here left. And uh, someone in the chat, they questioned um, Chancey Stuckey, not from a um, recruiting standpoint, but from a development standpoint, I guess. Um, first of all, his two starters, Jaden Thomas and Deion Cozy, have been injured. Those were supposed to be his two guys, along with Chris Tyree in a slot. So his young freshmen were for- forced into action a lot sooner. But they were ready. How do you view Chancey Stuckey? Like the fact that he had two freshmen ready to go. Well, you know, it's just it's not too much of an excuse you can add to it because you you know you're hired for a job. You know, this is high stakes football where you have to be able to be prepared in the moment. And for him not to be able to have a number one receiver ready in the weight shows recruiting. That's what it shows. You know, you need to have a Cam Williams or, you know, uh, one of those impact players in, in, in the lineup on the verge of beating the guy you have in front of you. And that common uh, 
thing that you need in recruiting is something that Chancey Stucky needs to really live in the, the, the space of, yeah, we may get a Cam Williams, but I need a guy better than Cam Williams coming in next year. And that's something he has to focus on because when you don't have that, you have lulls where you sit there and in a position where you have a bunch of guys that have a bunch of potential, but you're not playing them. Why is Braylon James not playing? Why is Jordan Greyhouse not getting a bigger role? So it shows that the depth that you have isn't more effective than the depth that you already have yeah. in terms of the starters. So you need to keep keeping in mind that the guys that you're recruiting has to be better than the guys that you have right now. That's the challenge, but also something that we have to work on. All I know is I watched I watched Washington play without McMillan, one of their top receivers against Oregon. And uh didn't skip a beat. One monkey didn't stop no show, as they say. Like if you that is the challenge of any wide receiver coach in an elite program. It's your job to stack talent. Like I said, we talked about yo, Marvin, we could talk about a Buka and Marvin Harrison Jr. They had to wait their turn at Ohio State. Oh, yeah, because Chris Olave and all them boys. Was Olave, Garrett Wilson. Uh, what's my man that was injured most of last year? They got drafted in the first round. He plays for the uh, Seattle Seahawks. I forget his name. You know? Jackson and Jigma Smith. And Jigma Smith. Like, yo, every, every first round wide receiver – had to wait. Had to wait at Ohio State. They had to wait. That's shout out to Brian Hartline. He goes, he gets them, and they understand. And they're willing to wait. That's right. So Brandon Ennis and Carnell, they got next. They're, they're willing to wait. You know, and it seems like Washington, with the with the wide receiver coach, mind you, you know, that Tommy Reese be told, let's throw that out there. You want to talk about the wide receivers and their young freshmen stepping up for McMillan against Oregon and their development. Yeah. Coach Shepard should have been the wide receiver coach, but Tommy Reese vetoed it. Must be nice. I think you disconnected your mic again, bro. Get ready to get out of here. Okay, you hear me? Yeah. You know what time it is. It's time to get petty. Oh, we did a good job executing. Are you upset with something? And fire up the Petticoat Junction train. I just don't like you. You don't? No. What is today's Petty Historic Petty Junction?
That's right, Petty Johnson, Petty is Story, brought to you by Anora Whiskey, AnoraWhiskey.com, that premium American whiskey, AnoraWhiskey.com. Man, not for a bad reason. I have to put Mikey Williams and Mace on the Petty Train. That Mikey Williams case is real sad, man. I can't lie to you, man. Beyond sad. Beyond sad, you know, but once again, look, he's 18. Hopefully his lawyers can get him a good deal. Let the young man do his time so he can come back out and pursue his dream. Do his time? You saying she go to jail? I don't know. I do. Like May said, he going to jail, dog. <laughs> This dude is is quoting rap lyrics from from Rilo, disrespecting the uh, DA and the judge in the case. Bro, you going to jail, bro? Man, what is don't, don't send me to the gulag. Don't send me to the <laughs> like Denzel said in Training Day, Pelican you Bay, boy. <laughs> Pelican you Bay. See- you say he going to Pelican Bay? He going to be hooping. Pelican Bay. <laughs> Shoe contract. <laughs> Isn't that what, what Denzel said, right? Man. Young man's in trouble, left. Shoe program, right. <laughs> Shoe program. <laughs> Pelican Bay. Hmm. I mean, if he want, he wants to be a goofy. He was a goofy messing around with the guns. Now he's a goofy. He must be mad about what's going on. Hey, I don't know what else to tell you, bro. And then, yo, the way Mace responded to finding out the information, Mace was like, hey, yeah, he going to jail. And I hate to hear it. I hate to hear it, man. LL Nation, we appreciate you guys. Wednesday, 11 a.m., the great Shane Walton, big-time defensive back from Notre Dame, joins us right here on the Lucky Lefty Podcast to talk about the first half of the season, getting back to Notre Dame, and uh, coaching and coaching. Shane Walton, Shane Walton has to be top five all-time punt returners. We're going to talk to him about that, too, how the special teams has come. Because Notre Dame used to just stack great punt returners, dude, like Tim Brown, Ricky Waters, Rakib Ismail. Then it went to Shane Walton. They had the uh, Joey Getherall. You know, was there in the early 2000s. Uh, then they went to Zibikowski, uh, Vontez Duff. Like, hey, dude, Notre Dame just had punt returners and kick returners. Alan Rossum. And then all of a sudden, Notre Dame just hit a rut. So we'll talk to him about that, too. 
like the makings of a big time returner in the kick return game and a punt return game. Well, it should be fun. 11 o'clock, start of the show, Shane Walton. He'll be with us. And a matter of fact, that's Wednesday at 11. So Malik, at that point in time, will be in Houston because he's calling a game on Wednesday night for Sam Houston State. So, yeah, you're right. CJ, no, no. Mm. CJ Sanders, a.k.a. Lil Ray Charles, might have been the end. He might have been the end. Yeah, he might have been the end. And I'm sorry to end this on this note because you guys, man, you've been great. Great conversation in the chat. The only negative about the USC game is that we got to deal with that darn Zachariah branch for two more seasons, y'all. Man. They put that sucker in the slot, the backfield. Screens, toss plays, special teams. Woo! Yeah, we're gonna have to deal with that number one for the next two years. <laughs> Hopefully, Al Golden will still be around. So we'll see you guys tomorrow. Another edition.